Today I am talking to Jan Tutan yet again. It would seem that he's prophetic when it comes to the future of work being remote, being that we're all remote at this time. So Jan, what what new reflections do you have on this idea of remote work in this time that we find ourselves in? Which which I'll just to kind of give it a date in case people are listening mm-hmm. to this way in the future. It's the middle of April 2020, and Jan is in Amsterdam, I'm in Oregon, and we're in the midst of, I think, maybe the same or different phases of COVID-19. Yeah, it's good you said the scene. Um, yeah, here we are again. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a public love story starting here. Yes, John, we uh, are going to talk about remote work, and that's uh, the, the, what we have in mind for this, uh, for this uh, session together. And uh, of course, the, the context of the COVID-19 that you just uh, explained is, uh, is in a very interesting uh, setting to talk about remote work. Yeah, because I think in your model of remote work, there was no home office. <laughs> like, like you That's were very correct. much, you were very much against the idea, which I did not agree with, which is fine, <laughs> which always makes, I think, yeah. for more interesting discussion. <laughs> now there has to be a home office. Yeah. So I think I have a lot of people that uh, join me in being against home office at the moment. <laughs> well, <laughs> they might still be against the idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I witness is that uh, at the moment, uh, John, uh, uh, we are talking uh, billions of people are working remote. And we had discussion last year about the benefit of remote work and all the challenges of implementing remote work in an organization. And in a few days, most of the organizations in the world have had no decision but to put their employees remote. And this is a huge uh, shift in the, in the connection to work that uh, billions of, uh, of people are experiencing now because they are simply forced to work remote even if they don't want it. And all the discussion we had in the past were mainly based on voluntary base. I was always inspiring people and managers to think about the component of remote work in their leadership uh, tools and landscape. Uh, but now it's not, a, it's not a question. It's an obligation. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an obligation to, to stop the propagation of the pandemic. So there's no, no, no choice there. And I think this makes, makes, makes it very different different from the setting we were a few months ago. Well, and what jumps out at me the most is when you think in a company or a corporate context, there's planning. Well, hopefully there's planning. There's no planning here. One day you're in an office, the next day, hopefully you took your laptop with you home and you have good enough internet connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have skids and you have kids. Yeah, and uh, your family and dogs and pets and who knows what. Yeah, yeah. the mother-in-law. <laughs> well, and I think this is one of the, as I've talked to different people about this 
current time, often the first question people ask me is like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Kind of almost assuming Mm -hmm. that I'm not doing okay. And I feel guilty because I am okay. I am doing Mm -hmm. well. And Mm -hmm. I think if there's anything that I haven't been doing well with, it's having compassion for the people that aren't doing so well, because this idea of where, and I'm saying that in the context of remote, I definitely have compassion for people that are sick. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of, um, it's really hard, I guess. I've I've seen myself not being as compassionate as I would like to be towards people that are trying to adjust to this new, people are calling it the new normal, but I think that's not even the right phrase. Um, anyway, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but maybe the, maybe a question back to you would be, what, what are you finding most challenging about this? Well, the message I want to pass uh, is that uh, this is not remote work, what's happening now. And people call it, let's do remote and let's go remote. This has nothing to do with remote work. It is just a sanitary measure that is being taken to force people to work from a distance, but without any consideration of what remote work can be. And of course, it has some side a positive effect, but first of all, it is very challenging. So the message for the people who listen to this uh, discussion is: this is not remote work, and what you are experiencing now, being myself, uh, very much knowledgeable about remote work. I dare to say it: what you are experiencing now is very, very difficult and it has nothing to do with remote work what and would you like call it then med- i you know what i what i what i think what what's happening now it's like learning to ski on a black piste <laughs> <laughs> and a black piste for people that uh, so the the translation there would be ski slope so if you yeah. don't if you yeah. don't if you, if you don't ski at all and you haven't been to europe um so a black diamond is like the hardest ski slope. And yeah, when you're learning to ski, you want to start on the, the green circles, or at least they're green circles in, in the United States. I don't know what they are there. Yeah, uh, it's green also. It's the okay. same in, uh, in Europe. Yeah, yeah. And and there's no black piece in the US. Is this, is this new? Oh, no, me? there are. They're, 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 yeah, okay. They call them, yeah, we call them black diamonds. And sometimes oh, there's diamonds. like a okay. double diamond. And that's Ooh, like, okay. I don't think I've ever been on one. I'll... I'll risk a diamond here and there, but I, I'm I like to cruise. I like flat and yeah, yeah. flat, straight downhill. I just want to go as fast as I can. I don't want to do yeah, moguls, yeah. any of that business. So yeah, yeah this. Yeah. Is, okay. So what? So what you're saying is this is like someone that's learning to ski for the first time, and we've just dropped them on a treacherous, lots of bumps. Th- there's no way that they're going to stay up by the time they get to the bottom. And so if no. they've never worked remotely and they're quote doing remote work now, um, one, it's not what you're saying is one, this isn't really remote work in the way that you envision it. And two, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Yeah. 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 And it should not be associated to remote work. So I am a, an advocacy, an, an advocate, sorry, of a, of remote work. And I, I really, 
pay a lot of attention to organize uh, to help organizations to move remote. Uh, the first message I want to say is don't take it as granted. It's not uh, when when the, the pandemic is over, uh, remote work is not just going on what we do. No, it has to be uh, thought uh, deep and it has to be organized and not at all as it is being happening now. I, I, I will take a few examples to illustrate what I'm saying. Uh, I always mention that remote work has nothing to do with home office. And I, I have a lot of enemies when I'm saying that. Uh, my definition of remote work is to have a working environment that is a working environment that inspires you. And how to be inspired? I have a four-step process remote work. The first one is be remote in your own office. So go to your office, but be remote by changing places, etc. because you learn how to be remote. And especially you learn how to be fully digital and have no paper. When you've done this step, then you can go to work from a customer or a partner, a supplier. So you still work in an office environment that is close to your own ecosystem, but you, you change culture, you see you change company DNA, you see other ways of working, but still it's related to your own business. And the, the step number three is to work from a co-working space close to your house, not from home, but from a co-working space because we, you will join another working community. So you will still be in a working environment and join people who also work, but work completely different than you do. So you learn a lot there and all the co-working space are um, providing a community approach of their members so you will uh, be part of uh, workshops uh, trainings trust so you, uh, you join another community than your company and the last uh, one is uh, you travel uh, for work for holidays and you decide to stay one week extra on this destination and you work from there from a co-working space there and you change and uh, work environment but also culture because you see another co-working space in another country and you can stay longer on your holiday destination so every evening you can still go to the beach and feel a kind of extension of your holidays so i never mention home office why because i strongly believe that home is the worst place to work and you have to split uh, your private environment and your working environment and what is happening now is that People are working from home. So imagine, go back to step one. You're not even mobile within your company and you always work every day at the same desk. And suddenly you have to work from home. The, 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 the gap is huge because maybe you don't even have your paper. You're not digital, so you're not ready to work paperless. Maybe you don't have a laptop. Uh, so for a, a big part of uh, people who work in an office, being able to work remote uh, without going through the different stage I've, I've just mentioned, if you're at stage one, you don't have an IT that is ready for it. You don't have a computer that is ready for it. You don't have an internet connection that is uh, good enough. And you have your kids around. So what do we do? Your, your, your household to manage. Well, you know, there are plenty of tips online on how to work remote now, and I don't feel like going there. No, please in don't. This discussion. <laughs> I mentioned having struggling with compassion. It's like if I see another article with tips and tricks on how to work from home, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to yeah, do. And, yeah. and I should also say, too, I've done this for like 14, 15 years. So I've lost perspective 
on how hard it was to do because I was thinking about this before we started talking today. And I want to say, I think it took two, three, four, maybe five years of doing this at home with a home office before me and my wife got the kinks out of like exactly what that looked like and how it could really work well. Mm-hmm. So I do want to put that out there. But yeah, in terms of like, okay, if we're not going to do tips and tricks, because I don't think tips and tricks, I think my bias against them is that from a coaching perspective, it's giving advice and everyone's situation is different. So yeah, sure. So I don't know. I'm curious, where would you suggest people start in their own search for what will make the most sense for them? And then I have some ideas too. Yeah, well, the, the different steps I've explained for remote work are not possible today because we are confined. So basically, you are obliged to work from home. There's no option to work from a co-working space or from a partner or from a holy destination whatsoever. So the whole strategy that I explained about remote work is now um, impossible due to con- to confinement. So basically, uh, people are forced to work from home. But what I disagree is that people say, I work remote. And organizations say, we put our people remote. And I don't want uh, this experience, what is happening now, to be associated to remote work. What's happening now, it's not remote work. It's working from home in a worse situation and circumstances you can imagine. So what is today, uh, what people experience today, the, the message I want to pass through to the people is that, yes, this is tough. Yes, this is difficult. Yes, this is very challenging. And yes, this is a, a, a very um, uh, aggressive way of experiencing working out of your office if you've never done it before. That's. I just want to, as you say, compassion. I want to bring compassion to people who have to experience, uh, again, a, a computer that doesn't work, an IT connection that doesn't work, a manager that is not ready to work remote, uh, kids behind, um, maybe some uh, people sick in a family or nearby, so the stress of, of people uh, being in hospitals, the stress of finance because uh, people being unemployed and not having even work to do, or if they have work to do, maybe only for a week or two, and then what's next? So. There are stress factors everywhere. Um, and all this stress, you bring it home. So if I were to give if I were to give one advice, one tip is to take the time at the end of the day to get rid of this energy that you have brought in within your house, within your home. And I'm talking about meditation, I'm talking about breathing practice. I'm talking about uh, a, a routine that you uh, can decide for yourself that is good for you. But there has to be a moment where you take out this energy that is a lot of stress energy, a lot of uh, frustration, anxiety. And if you keep it inside of you, then there's no room for enjoying the rest of your life and the evenings and the mornings and the weekends, because it, it will stay and it's in your home. So it's in between your walls. So if I had one tip to give is to say, we realize that what you're doing is very difficult and chapeau. And I have a lot of admiration for everybody who's doing it now and keeping their business running, uh, but protect yourself. 
protect yourself by having an uh, energy um, moment, momentum, where you get rid of all those tensions uh, before you continue your day in the same uh, place, in the same place. Otherwise, you're just going to carry it forward and it's just going to compound and <laughs> explode and come out in some really ugly way, probably. <laughs> yeah, or, or even if not coming out, still it stays in. And if it stays in, there's no, there's no room for more, for, for, for the good ones, for the mm. good feelings, because you, 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 you fill in the space with, with bad feelings. The thing that came to me on this is, and I've been saying this in a number of different contexts, but it's this idea of who we're being. I recently had a conversation with Alexi Monaville on a book called The Anatomy of Peace. And that episode will eventually air. Um, but it's this idea of, yeah, like, where are we coming from and who are we being? So are we coming at our current circumstances from a place of war or peace? War might be, I hate this, it's unfair, it stinks, I'm mad about it. Um, basically hostility. Versus coming from a place of peace, which is uh, maybe some of the things you're referring to, you know, groundedness through meditation, breathing, um, or even asking the question, like, who... Who do I want to be as I go through this? Because I'm in it. It's happening. <laughs> all, the ex all the energy that we exert trying to pretend that it's not there or fight it does not serve us. What you just mentioned is, for me, what I experience every day. So my, my situation is very special because I am a... I am on my own. I have kids, but they don't live with me, and they are they are uh, young adults. And uh, my partner, she's now in Miami, and I'm in Amsterdam, and she's my, in Miami to take care of her father. And we don't know when we're going to see each other again. So I'm uh, today uh, very much alone because I work uh, remote from home, and uh, I have very little social contact. So. Well, we talk about my kids and my son is calling me now. So I hope you still hear. Was the connection uh, still good? I lost you for a second, but we're back. Uh, okay. 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 Good. So in my situation, what I see, and I think it can be applied to a lot of people, my situation is that um, I have noticed a huge uh, drop of distractions, of uh, activities that... Uh, were no more activities uh, before the crisis and disappear be because of the crisis. Like uh, going for drinks with some friends, like uh, going to a yoga lesson, like uh, going for a bike tour, like booking a plane ticket for a trip, like blah, blah, blah. everything we do in life. Uh, we, we almost have nothing left of that, which forces us to... <laughs> to feel those moments, because those moments that were filled, those, those hours that were filled with those distractions are uh, not filled uh, anymore by those distractions. So if I take a, a metaphor, uh, the, the, you know, the, the attraction park, like, like, you, like, like uh, Disney World, 
it suddenly is closed and you're outside and it's closed. Or maybe you're in within Disney World, but it's closed. None of the attractions is, is running. And what do you do? What do you do of your time? Because you don't have those distractions anymore. And I think this is a great opportunity to be back on the being instead of the doing. So exactly what you mentioned, John, what do I really um, want for myself as a, as, as a being? What do I want to uh, be? And what do I want to uh, to to what is the person I, I want to be and not what do I want to do today? It's becoming a bit philosophical now, but uh, <laughs> I, I love will, that stuff. <laughs> I will I will try to illustrate it by a reversed uh, methodology, and it's to think about the day you are authorized to go for the deconfinement. So let's imagine that it will not be the case, and huh, because it's going to be step by step. But let's imagine tomorrow you can be deconfined as from tomorrow. What will you do? Will you go back to the cinema every day? Will you go back to buy some clothes? Will you go back to the restaurant extra? Like people, a lot of people say, oh, I'm really dying to, to have this uh, deconfining because then I can leave again. And there I will give you an example of a, of a personal experience that I had about confinement. Uh, and it, it relates to a, a long selling trip I did. I did, I did uh, almost four weeks uh, sailing trip across the Atlantic. And it's like confinement because you are on a boat and there's nothing else. It's the boat and that's it for four weeks. So it's like being in your home now and you can't go out uh, because it's, yeah, there's nothing to do outside of home. So it's, it's, there's a lot of comparison to this experience I had of four weeks on a boat and now uh, this confinement. What I'm going to in this explanation is the arrival. When you arrive at the, at the shore after four weeks on this boat, what happens? What happened to me is the following. We, we arrived uh, in, the, in Antigua, Antigua de Barruda, and we, we arrived at night. It was very strange because you don't see the land for uh, four weeks and you expect to see it. I mean, my, my picture of arriving was like, I'm going to see an island. and uh, But no, it's night. So, okay, <laughs> you don't see, you see only a few lights. And um, with the boat, we went under the wind of the island. So suddenly the, the wind has blown through the island towards us. And there's an explosion of smells. The earth animals, the fire, the cars, the pollution. The, it's, a, it's I can't describe it. It's like I've never smelled before because I had forgotten what it is after four weeks. So this first connection to us, uh, to, 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 to humanity, to activity, was this, this explosion of smells. And it was at night, so you don't see it, you just feel it. And my first reaction has been fear. My first reaction has been, wow, I'm used to this confined place. I'm used to this small world that I understand. And there's a world out there that I don't understand anymore or that is much more complex because I can't master it as well as I mastered this boat. I was not alone on the boat. Huh? We were 12 people, but still. 
So we decided not to uh, moor the boat at night. It's too dangerous. So we 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 went on the anchor and we stayed the night uh, in the bay. And then we in the morning at six o'clock we uh, we um, collect the anchor and we went uh, to uh, to to dock the boat. And there, I'm in the boat. I'm on the boat still, and we have docked. And I'm sitting on a boat, and I don't want to leave the boat. I don't want to go out. Because I've been so well at ease with myself during these uh, four weeks. I'm so comfortable with this closed environment, without any distractions, with the comfort of my inner journey, because at the end, it's an inner journey. It's not only crossing the Atlantic, but also crossing your own Atlantic. And this world outside, with all the craziness, all the you know the 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 activity the the why people are going there from there what are they what their drive what are they doing it you know what's their motivation what's why are they doing all those things and i'm on this boat and i'm looking at it those dogs those cars those people passing by with some shopping bags that's, it's so so difficult you know to connect back to this world and i stayed 4 hours on the boat where most people said to me, oh, when you will arrive on the shore, Jan, after four weeks, you will have, yeah, you will go to a bar and have a big party extra. No, I stayed four hours on the boat. I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go on the shore and to be one of those uh, people who are running those uh, hectic lives without having time to be on the being and being only on the doing. If I take this example today, I believe that the end of the confinement will look the same as the experience I had when I was on this boat after four weeks at sea. We have to prepare ourselves to exit this confinement and to face what's left of this life of doing versus this life of being. And I'm very happy I have this experience a second time in my life. I'm even thinking I will provoke it again because I believe of the mental healthiness of this type of experience. But I invite everyone who's listening now to think about how they are going to experience this deconfinement and how they are going to be back to a doer instead of a of a beer. If it's I don't know if it's correct in English what I'm saying. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess you get, well, you get the no idea. I no I I totally yeah it no it translates very well. I guess what I'm wondering is why does it have to change? In other words, I don't know. I think I'm one of these strange people that that really doesn't want. I mean, I kind of like. I really like what's happening right now. For it, I don't like what's happening in the world. Let me be really clear. I like what's happening in my home right now. I I. I'm enjoying the pace and the reflection and the tension and the, I mean, like discomfort. I mean, think that something that also popped in my head too is just, yeah, instead of like reaching out to soothe myself in some way when I'm feeling uncomfortable, like a few days ago, it was Sunday and things were just kind of off kilter. And I, I had the presence of mind a couple of times to just sit in a chair for 10 minutes and do nothing. And just be with it. Like, wow, this is really uncomfortable. Wow, today is just kind of not going very... Like, it's just something's off. I don't know what it is. And I do believe that taking those moments, even though I didn't get, like, a really clear answer as to why, 
helped make the next day better, made that evening better, um, and being with it. So I guess I wonder. Hmm. I don't know. I think my secret hope is that we take some of the things that we've learned in this time and we we carry them forward. In other words, the things that that used to get us or the things that we would just reflexively do, maybe we aren't quite so quick to act. Mm. And there's one thing I like to say at this stage of the conversation is that we are privileged. And uh, some people which are listening might say, wow, you guys, <laughs> you're nice, but uh, you don't have someone next to you about to die. So you're not about to enter into emotional roller coaster and grief and, uh, and loss of a, of a, of a loved person. Uh, you are not uh, losing your job. You don't have financial problems. Uh, you don't have young kids around that you can't master anymore and uh, that you that you have difficulties to manage every day. So we are a, a part of the population. Maybe you have a garden, I have a balcony. I can. So we are a part of a population that is entering this experience, this confinement experience, with a lot of luxury. And this enables us to go in this being instead of this doing. I also want to think about the large part of the population that doesn't have this a comfortable situation that we describe now. And I would like to encourage also those people to uh, find the time to uh, also be in a being and not only in a doing, even if the circumstances are not that easy as we explain. Uh, just if you have young kids and you don't even try to think about meditation or only when Fair they enough. sleep, you know, but it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not the same. I had young kids. I know, I know what it is about, what it's all about. So I, I'd like also to, you know, to, uh, to also have compassion. We had compassion for remote workers, but I like also to have compassion for people who have to uh, to face this crisis with uh, uh, full force and with all the uh, the negative effect it can have. And I think those people are just uh, thinking, but yeah, you're crazy. I just want to go out. I want to put my kids at school and I want to go back to work and have, have, a, have a salary and, a, and you just go to the cinema, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I want, I don't want to make it general what I'm saying. Um, and 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 make what we say a bit more, uh, you know, uh, uh, tinted uh, by the situation we have the the, the luxury to be in. Uh, but I think, having said all that, uh, I think uh, people which are in a situation we are, which have the opportunity to be more on the being than the doing, can become trendsetters, and then we can uh, show a different way of living uh, when we are going to uh, to exit this situation and. Uh, you know, um, offer other people the possibility to discuss. Just just have this discussion with your friends. The discussion we have now, just have it with your friends. How are you going to experience the deconfining? What are you going to do? I think it's very interesting mm. to, to have this discussion with friends and, and just have a, you know, a reflection on a, how people picture their life after what has happened. I really love how you brought us back and I really love how you spoke to people that are not having the same experience that we are. And I also, I, yeah, it's a great reminder that like, I, I could get the virus tomorrow or maybe I already have, like, who knows? Like I'm, I think there's a tension here between, 
and and this is where I was um, initially really struggling with compassion was I was seeing so much suffering around me that was based on a fear of the future and not of the present. So I think what's super, super important is, yes, in Jan and John's present, in this moment that we're having this conversation, (laughs) we are in a current state or a current way of being. It could change. It could totally change. It could change like so bad that I would never be able to talk to you again. Like, who knows? What I am seeing for myself, though, in this time is it's a choice to, and it's not always an easy choice. I want to be clear about that, too, because I know you'll keep me honest, is that in this very moment, things, in this very moment, I am good. I'm okay. I'm great. In the next moment, an hour from now, I will probably be the same. I will, or I'll have some type of challenge. A week from now, probably the same. A month from now, I don't know. Beyond that, who knows? And I guess what I'm playing with here is just from myself, I've just made a very concentrated effort slash choice to be with what's in the present in front of me. My mind does wander to start to worry about what could happen and yet it hasn't happened. It's right now. So I don't know. What do you what do you hear from that? You don't even have to agree with any of it, but that just came to me. Mm-hmm. Well, the I like the saying, which is the the future is present under construction. And I like this because when people start to be worried about the future and not uh, enjoying the present, and I am one of them, I worry a lot about the future, so I have a lot of work to do on me there. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you worry about the future, you waste your present because the future that you have, you have put so much effort to design a future that doesn't meet your worries, that when it's present, you don't enjoy it because you think about the next worries. So you spend your time building the road on which you're going to be driving, but you never realize that you drive on a nice road. And basically, this is what you say here. And again, this uh, hectic life we have, uh, we had again still a few months ago. You know, um, think about think. Make the connection between Black Friday and COVID-19. Try to, 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 to think about how can those two worlds be together. Black Friday, you know, people running into stores, queuing all night into, in front of the stores to be the proud owner of the latest television or the latest uh, I don't know, bag or whatever. Just, just think about it versus COVID-19 we are now. It is so clashing. It is so... You know, so do we want to go back to this type of, uh, to this way of living or do we want to be, and then if we are, then we are not worried about the future and then we are not worried about uh, being uh, 
uh, in the coming uh, two years, being the owner of a bigger car and a bigger house and uh, and having more money on your bank account. This is this is. Uh, this is, you know, I'm back to one of the topic we had together in the past. It's a possession versus impressions or experiences. So what do you want? Do you want to possess a lot but have little experience? Or do you want to own very little and have amazing experience with yourself, with your inner journey? And that's a choice that can be done now. It's a big window of opportunity to make this choice. Do you want possessions or do you want experiences? What's also coming to me is also the idea of attachment. So in other words, as I was saying, you know, hey, I, I, at least in these current moments that I've had recently, I don't want these to end. If I get too attached to those, yeah, I, I really do like this idea of, okay, eventually there was, there are going to be some changes. So how will I be with those changes? How I, how will I be with when this period of time ends and becomes something else? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, uh, again, having said what we said and all the disclaimers I said about uh, people who are in difficult times, uh, it's, it's globally a great opportunity to um, to keep the economy going and to still consuming because I think consuming is very important for the economy. But why not consuming experiences and impressions instead of consuming goods? I mean, this is the shift that has to happen. The economy has to stay and, and uh, the growth we are used to uh, is, is the model we are based on. So to reshuffle this whole model in, in two months' time, it's impossible. But to rethink the model by saying, I prefer to invest my money into experiences instead of positions, uh, that's a complete different story. I have one fear I'd like to share about the future, talking about the, the fears of the future and talking about the deconfining. And I'll give you one example among thousands of potential impact of this uh, deconfining. I was today in a call where I had the opportunity to uh, discuss the challenge of public transport when we will start the deconfining. And here in Holland, uh, what is the government asking to uh, every organization business is to enter into what we call the 1.5 meter economy. Maybe you heard about it already in the, in the US, but the principle is to say you need to have social distancing. Even when we will start the deconfining, we need social distancing to avoid the propagation of the epidemic, the, 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 the spreading of the economy, of the, <laughs> of the pandemic, sorry. So 1.5 meter between the people. So we're now what the Dutch government is asking to every restaurant company organization is to organize their business in a way that people will be 1.5 meter from each other. And they call it the 1.5 meter economy. Now, if we go to public transport, what does it mean? It means as simple as this, that if you want to respect that, only on Amsterdam, well, in Amsterdam, because it's quite a dense population, the number of public transport available has to be multiplied by nine. Whoa. So to to move the same amount of population in the same time frame, if people are 1.5 meters from each other, you need nine more trains than today. Yeah, as you say, wow. So, so it's impossible. It will never be possible. Meaning that people will want to move. So how are people going to move? 
uh, people will go back to individual transport. What is individual transport? In Amsterdam, a lot of bicycles, but in most of the cities, the car. So all the people that were used to use public transport, a large part of those people are going to move back to using their car. And using a car means more people on the road, more pollution, more traffic, more accidents, etc. And I see it as a fear. For It's personal, it's a fear because we all see, oh, look, this is great. There is much less uh, pollution thanks to COVID-19. Uh, the sky is blue again. The, the wild animals are entering the cities. Yeah, as soon as it's finished, billions of cars will be on the road because people will want to go to their work. Again, remote work. People will want to go to their office. And then it will create a massive uh, move of people uh, that will be not organized by public transport, but individually. And to me, this is a very bad side effect of the deconfining. And I hope politicians will uh, think about it because it has to be organized in a way that this is not happening. And remote work, well organized this time, can be a, a solution for that. Uh, and it's I'm taking a very little example of all the consequences we don't picture today of uh, the deconfining. So I'm inviting the audience to think really deeply about what do they want to be as a person once the deconfining will be over. And do they want to go back to the life they had before or do they want to take this experience as a transition in their relation to themselves, to their ecosystem, to the economy, to the environment, to all the interactions a human being can have. And this is where I see it's a great window of opportunity. That's beautiful. And I also hear their uh, trans, like, uh, it's a process. So right now, they're, right now they're talking about, quote, opening the economy in the United States. Like it's the, you know, it's like it's the opening of the stock market. They're going to push a button and like suddenly everything's going to be like, back on again, which I I don't see how that's going to happen. But what I love about what you're saying and what's coming to me is this, in the same way that throwing someone onto a black diamond and saying, ski to the bottom, is it's not going to work. It's not going to be a positive experience. You're never going to want to ski again. <laughs> in the same mm -hmm. way, the abrupt way that remote work has begun for many people, not very pleasant, that there's hmm maybe it's about in, i don't know embracing the the path or the journey or the progression or the process versus going for the immediate outcome so maybe it is driving to work for a few days but then finding a different way or establishing some type of work, you know remote work habit versus Mm. I'm just going to drive for the next 10 years and never take mm. public transportation again. <laughs> it requires some uh, discipline. It requires to, to listen to the inner compass. It requires to listen to your intuition. And uh, I think it requires to, uh, to have quite some... Uh, uh, Coronas, as we say in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, maybe you can do a beep if you want. Huh? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to dare 
to change the patterns. And uh, that's, that's, that's not easy because there's pressure of the employer, there's pressure of the, of the family, of the friends, of uh, etc. Again, I think this confining is also an opportunity to find your own way and your own path and to discover your inner compass and then to follow it. Instead of, uh, you know, reacting to uh, uh, to uh, to different impulses you can have from uh, from from yeah from 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 your environment, you know, people calling you you're, you're tired and uh, you just want to be at home and then you get a call uh, for a drink and then you, you just go for it without thinking. Uh, it's a very basic example I'm taking now, but uh, a lot of people are not able to resist that and it's they, they prefer. Uh, being social and being present and showing their face instead of saying, no, I'm going to stay home and uh, it's Friday evening. Yeah, it's party time. No, but I prefer to stay home and to do meditation. Okay. This is uh, this is an example, I think, of uh, where people will understand themselves better in those times because there are less distractions. Yeah, and it gets back to the the idea of clearly choosing something too. Like, I am choosing to stay home. Because I don't want to go for drinks versus, well, I'll go because they wouldn't understand if I stayed home and there would be some bad story about me. So no, it's like, yeah, choosing, choosing. Yeah, because it's Friday. So Friday you drink, okay? Right. Uh, where, where, where <laughs> what if you, you didn't? <laughs> Which contract? Where did you sign? <laughs> where did you sign where, for yeah, where did you sign the agreement that says you have to drink every Friday? <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. Well, thanks yeah, again, Jan. Um, Any other thoughts or um, disclaimers? Or I, I really appreciated how you 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 kept bringing that to light in terms of being very clear about the context that we're coming from and, and mm. just the reminder and awareness of that. So mm-hmm. any mm. last thoughts? Well, I think the big conclusion of that is, uh, I, I, I feel, I feel myself this, uh, this, uh, you know, this, uh, welcome home. Yeah. Well, welcome to yourself. And, uh, and, and, and don't, don't miss this disappointment. That's that's a great opportunity we have in our lives to to meet with ourselves and to make some agreement with ourselves of a of a different approach of life. Uh, that uh, will be, I think, one of the most beautiful outcome of this uh, of this terrible and very very sad uh, time for for humanity. And I would add. That if you would like some help with that, sometimes it's really, really hard to do this work on your own. So I don't do this work on my own. I have a coach. Um, and I would just put it Same out here. there. I if, have two even. Awesome. So I would put it out there. If you want help with this or you want to have a conversation with me, you know where to find me. If you want to have a conversation with Jan, I don't know if he would. I'm assuming he would do that with you. I'll have uh, his connection information on LinkedIn on the notes for this episode. So yeah, don't try to do this alone. Like <laughs> maybe that's one of the best takeaways of this whole thing is 
Yes, there's a Don't lot of... Don't try this at home. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, try this at home. <laughs> no, well, there is a... Yeah, there is a lot of solitude and there is a lot of doing this on your own yeah. right now. And I think there's huge value in doing a lot of it alone and huge and I can't do it on my own. And it sounds like you uh, you can't either. So what a great way to close. No, I have I have I have two coach. I had I had a coaching session again today. I had one uh, tomorrow. I have one tomorrow. I mean, it's uh, especially in those times. I, I'm I'm really much um, you know uh, challenged by the situation, and I've, I have increased the se- the coaching session uh, frequency. Really? So did I. I. I really need, yeah, of course. I did the same thing. Yeah, I totally yeah. re. Oh my god! Really? <laughs> no. Yes. I I was supposed to be on like this six week break. And I, and we were supposed to do, we were supposed to meet in person and, and we can't meet in person. So we rejiggered our whole thing so that we're meeting on a more regular basis. Because my thought was, it sounds like you're having the same one, was I want to make the absolute most of this. And if I try to make the absolute most of this on my own, it is not going to go well. No. So why wouldn't I just go to the person that's, that's totally helping me and meet more often? Oh man. Hey, I, I, what I mentioned a few minutes ago, instead of spending money in positions, you spend it in impressions. Well, I invest a lot of money in coaching because this is something nobody will take me back. It's in me. And uh, so instead of having a nice car that will be nice for three years and then it's gone, uh, this coaching session makes me, uh, I think, uh, more at ease with me and uh, more at ease with my environment and uh, bring me more awareness. And uh, this is forever. And you and you can exactly. spread it to others. That's my experience. And you can too. spread it together. Yeah. So the money you're not putting in restaurants, the money you're not putting in cinemas, the money you're not putting in uh, in going out on holidays, put it in put it in personal development. And uh, well, I have one one disclaimer. <laughs> it, it, it is addictive. That's the problem. <laughs> ah! <laughs> that is yes. If yes, uh, that's I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to promote uh, addictive, uh, uh, you know, uh, addictive, addiction, uh, <laughs> addiction to to self improvement. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good one. Thank All you, right. John. Thank Always you, Jan. Be well. Yes, take care of yourself. All right, the music will play. Well, we did it again. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely conversation, yeah. Yeah. Very nice. I I really appreciate your silence, you know, the the silence that you dare to leave, you know, like two, three, four seconds. It's, it's, It's really good. Oh, I'm glad you no, and that's well. It's you. I remember you saying that last time, and it's like that's. If you have ideas on this, I'd be. I'd love them. Like I feel like that's one of my secret weapons. Not a weapon, but when I coach, like so many amazing things happen when I just, you know, I'm listening from my heart and I'm just being. And it's like, how do you, <laughs> how do you create a website that says, you know, come coach with me? I won't say a word, <laughs> but yet, you know, you'll you'll get what you need and be changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the best one. You know, I have a, I have an explanation for that. I call it the the clown syndrome. Maybe I explained to you already. No, the clown syndrome. So when you are at a circus, 
there are clowns. So clowns have been invented in a circus. Do you know why clowns are? Or what, what's the purpose of clowns? To make you laugh? Yeah, but if you think about clowns, why? Where, at which moment do they step in in a, in a circus uh, performance? Oh, during the transitions. Yes. They fill the so space. The clowns oh. are here to fill the space. Exactly. And they make stupid things to fill the space. Because the space needed to be filled, but they didn't have any great performance. So they decided to put some clowns to do it and to do some stupid things. So the clown syndrome is the same. If you ask a question to someone, you leave this person, give your answer. So that's the performance. And then you leave a gap, an empty space. Then the person goes to the clown syndrome. And what is the clown syndrome? The clown syndrome is that the person will start to talk not from his brain, but from his heart, because there is the stress of the silence that needs to be fulfilled. So the person is not thinking about what he's seeing. It comes directly from the unconscious. So the juice you get, the, the best juice, the juicy part of the discussion, you have it during those, or what is coming after the silence. And this is something I use myself when I do recruitments, for example. When I ask a question, of course, the first answer I have is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> then I hear the silence and I, I have the real answer. Yeah. 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 Huh. And you do it well. I mean, I, 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 I see myself, you know, going in the silence and feeling the need of uh, the <laughs> uncomfort of the silence and thinking, oh, the, the person listening will think maybe the, <laughs> the connection is lost or, you know, so I need to fill this gap <laughs> because by respect for the person who's listening, otherwise we're going to lose the audience. They're going to change channel, you know, whatsoever. Mm. I, I feel it when you leave those gaps. So that's good. It works. Mm hmm. When what's funny is it's not it's not intentional. It's yeah, it just yeah, I don't know. Well thank you. I I appreciate your yeah. acknowledgement and appreciation of that too. It it means a lot. <laughs> All right. Well until next time. Okay. Um Yes, you go to the next meeting. Yes. Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. Send your questions, ideas, or a simple hello to podcast at johnpolster.com. Want to stay up to date on new episodes and receive notifications of upcoming events? Register your email address at johnpolster.com slash updates.